worship you, God. You know, we only, I'm going to say this again because the Lord put it in my spirit last, last week. And I've got it wrote in my notes again. You only, you cannot worship someone you don't know. And you only know what you're looking at. You only know what you're looking at. Say it's you only know what you are looking at. When that woman walked into that room with her a, a bottle of fragrance, she only knew what she was looking at. She only wanted one thing, and that was what she was looking at. If she would have stopped for a moment and, and, and viewed and felt the room, it very well could have turned her back out the door. It very well could have changed her mindset. And she very well could have left that place with her box and went right back to her home and sat there. But instead, when she came in when on the way there, I can only imagine that morning when she heard that Jesus was going to be in the region that she said, I have to get to this man. I've got to get to him because I know what he can do and I know who he is and I believe that. So what am I going to take to him that will that, that, that means so much to me. Her mind was done made up before she ever left her house. That that morning when she left, she says, what can I give to Jesus that means everything to me? And she went into that room and she grabbed that, that box, that fragrant, fragrance. A lot of these boxes and fragrance, they kept in for their burial. That was what the fragrance they would want. So they would spend lots of money on that fragrance because when they got buried... They wanted it poured up on her. But what she was saying, Lord, help me this morning preach this because it's coming from you. What she was saying when she grabbed that bottle that represented the day that she was going to die physically and it would be poured upon her lifeless body, she picked it up and realized that I'm fixing to die to myself and I'm going to pour this bottle of ointment out for him and him alone that it can change, that it can transform my life it can transform my relationship she had that mindset before she ever left her house this morning God what can I give to you that I may be holding on to when I even pass that's going to be there with the at, with me at the end and then when she got to the room she very well could have turned around because Stephen she could have looked around the room and seen the disciples she could have said I'm not worthy to stand with a bunch of people that has been following his teachings that know him I'm unworthy she could have looked around the room and seen the religious people the Pharisees and the Sadducees in that room and said listen I know I'm not worthy to go in there I'm nobody in their eyes I have nothing to give I have no knowledge I have no wisdom I have nothing that I can give them if she would have examined the room it very well could have turned her around and right on out the door but when she picked up that box that morning and she heard 
where Jesus was going to be there. And she went for him. She said, in her mind, nothing will stop me from pouring out what I want to pour out upon him. And that is everything. Do you hear me this morning? It's not a mindset of when you get to church. It should be a mindset before you ever get to church. You should leave your house. Lord, what can I pour out on you this morning that will cost me everything? And then when you get into the building, don't examine the building because when the moment you start examining everybody in the building, I guarantee you, your eyes get off of Jesus and you'll put your box of worship back into your pocket and go back home smelling the same way. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all this morning. She very well, very well, she had to stop for a moment. That's the reason worship that we pour, we know worship now is the fragrance, the Bible says, that comes before him. It comes before his throne, and he even smells it and inhales it, and it moves him up off his throne room. That's what the fragrance of worship does. We know that, and we see that in, in the Bible, how he seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. We know that, but if we come in here and we look around, and we... And we we put it back in our pockets. What do we do? We exchange it. We exchange it. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels. You need to notice that. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Boy, there's a lot right there to unpack. There's a lot that there that we need to take and we need to live by. Just in those few little verses there, it also, and in, in, I think it, it gives that account in Matthew chapter 6. Maybe, I don't know, I got it wrote, but there's a lot there. And when they sang about the woman with the alabaster box, the, pouring her praises, her, her perfume upon him, and that's not even in, in my notes. None of that is in my notes. But... The mindset that, that I was saying is, is she could have walked in that room with what she was wanting to give and let everything or one person in that room that maybe she didn't like, that maybe had talked about her, she could have let one thing exchange that box of perfume and let it go. One thing, one thing 
What is the one thing that we every Sunday or, or through your life or through your day, what is the one thing that you are exchanging? You have good purpose that week. You have good plans that week. Lord, I'm going to get up this week and I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up this week and I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go through this week and I'm going to exalt you and praise you. And you have that bottle in, the, in, in, your, in your hand as you start the week. But somehow during that week you get distracted and you exchange it for the word worries and the cares of this world or the worries of what somebody's going to say or somebody's going to think and you exchange something that could have been so beautiful so beautiful a moment with you and the master at his feet you're willing to exchange for somebody's words that they spoke to you or how they treated you he says here whoever desires to come after me let him deny himself the one thing the, the woman at the alabaster box, when she brought it forth, she was willing to deny herself. She was willing not to worry about what anybody said and just seek after the feet and face of Jesus. Whoever des desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what a man get, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Over the past several weeks, I've preached on change. I've preached on change. I've preached on rearrange. And now it's exchange. What have we done? What are we exchanging? What are we giving back when the Lord changed it? What, what are we willing to exchange for our own souls, for our own purpose, for our own calling, for our own destiny, for our own souls? What are we willing to exchange for our own souls? What are you willing to change and exchange and give and, and not give to God? What are you not willing to give to him? And in that, if you're not willing to give it all, then you exchange it for his soul. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I don't have to go here, but I will, because this one instance should not arouse or arise the church. The Grammys should never be the thing that made the some people stand up and speak or, or do we need to speak out against the things that are going on in this world? Absolutely so. But they've been going on for years and we've been silent. And now one instance, one instance, people want to get up and, and for a few days, it'll be, it'll be gone next week. Won't be talked about no more next week. But in the moments, in the moments we're willing to rise up and say this is sinful. They're, they're coming after our children. They've been coming. The devil has been coming after your children ever since Genesis. He's been trying to get the seed of the, of the, the one that was going to bruise his head. He's been coming after every generation that has ever been born. But the thing now is we, the America, the Christian church, the, the, we have exchanged our souls. And we're ashamed and will not speak out. 
It's going to get quiet. It's going to get quiet. That instance right there should never have be. I, I pray maybe it will move the church. Maybe it will move Christians to be more vocal. Maybe it will uh, bring forth change in us and help us to stand up and, and have a stronger voice. Maybe it will, but like I said, we should have been doing it years and years ago. Because why? Because so many things have happened that infects your kids, the generation that comes before you, like prayer in school and things that you can't do. And we've exchanged comfortableness. We don't want to... Go against the grain. Why? Because we stand alone. In our mind, if we speak out or step out, then we step out isolated and alone, and then fear grips us. Well, what will happen if I speak out or step out on this? Will I lose my job? Will I lose my career? Will I, will I be canceled in this culture? Will people talk about me? Will I get hate mail? Will, will all these things happen to me? Well, guess what? Probably so because Jesus said they hated me first. They persecuted me first. They treated me like this first. I lost my life. They hung me on a cross for you. And the same things I went through, you're probably going to have to go through too if you're going to be a witness for me then you're going to be a martyr for me are you willing to lay down everything for him are you willing not to be ashamed for the gospel of Jesus Christ Sam Smith should not get you blood pressure high it should not make you red in the face you should have been red faced already years and years in years, this has been happening. And why is it happening? It's because the American church has exchanged its values for souls. Mm. We become co comfortable and complacent and don't want to go against the grain. We forget the scriptures that says we're already triumphant. We forget the scriptures that says greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We forget the scriptures that says he goes before us. We forget the scriptures that says there's many more with us than there are against us. We forget the scripture where we can look through spiritual eyes and see a, a, a host of the heavenly armies surrounded the enemy that thing we're surrounded by. We forget those things in the Bible and our mind and focus becomes silent and comfortless and let's not make anybody feel uncomfortable because we want to accept all. Yes, I want to accept each and every body. I love each and every body but I love your soul more and I don't want to see the souls of our children wind up in a hell that we will be accused for because we will not speak out. We as the church, the bride of Christ, we have to take a stand. We're exchanging for souls. We're exchanging for souls. Lord, help us in the day that we are living in. God, not to be the ones that are ashamed, God. It says, for whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Does that sound like what we are in? 
an adulterous and sinful generation. If he can bridle us, taking a stand is, is not going to be easy. It won't be easy. Just, just last week, John usually boosts the revival post. And there's so many things when you go to boost something on Facebook, so many things you can pick from and the demographic that you want it in. And most of the time he picks like this, this, this area demographic for it to boost of these people. Well, he missed that and, and boosted it all over the world. And every comment that has been made on it has been negative. Everyone. I'm talking about some nasty stuff. We just, we just delete it. Why are so people scared of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why? You can put a post all over the world about Jesus and it will get attacked. Why does it offend people so much? Because it's the truth. It's the truth. It's a gospel of love. It's a love story of, of, of a Savior that loved his people so much that was willing to redeem them back to himself. So he sent his only son for that generation upon generation to receive him and come back to him as the redeemer that we could have an eternity of life worshiping in a place that there's no sickness. The tears will be washed away and all the infirmities will be gone. It's a love story, the greatest love story. It don't have hate. It don't have killing it don't have murders it speaks against those things but it's the most offensive word that is on the face of the earth because it is the truth it convicts it cuts it goes it's alive it speaks it does all those things and people cannot stand it because they know it's the truth You speak up on Jesus and people attack you. You speak up on Muslims or, or Buddha or, or, or atheism. People don't attack it. They don't do it. We're exchanging this gospel for our generation, for our kids. You, you, listen, you won't blame the church house or the preacher when you get before God. You, can't, you won't say it was the church's fault. You won't say it was the preacher's fault, the Sunday school teacher's fault, the Wednesday night a youth pastor's fault, the children's church pastor's fault, the worship. It, you, you might want to say that, but when he stands before you, he said he's going to answer you and your family. It ain't the church's fault that the world is in the state it's in. It's the family's fault. The family is the church before anything. It's God, family, and then the church. You, you, you hear me on that? You lead your family. You say what's right and wrong in your house. You do that. But we are exchanging our own kids our, and grandkids for the sake of Wanting, I reckon wanting them to fit in with the culture. I don't know why. We're, 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 why are we so blind? Why are our minds?
minds blind and our hearts covered like we I preached about last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Why are our minds blind and our hearts covered? Because we can see that the devil wants the kids. He wants the family. So why are we so willing to conform and to comfortableize and normalize things in our households knowing that he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy? Why are we accepting the things of this world in our homes? Is it because you want them to have friends at school? Is it because I, is it because I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because we know the word, we know the gospel. We know this Bible. But we're exchanging it for the souls of our kids. Are we scared to tell them to stand up because they may get picked on? They may get talked about. A lot of us are scared to stand up because we think we may get picked on or talked about. And we're adults and we know the gospel. And it says, if you're ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. So this... This instance should not be. Maybe it will be, but it shouldn't have been. I go back to the, the football player that got hurt. Uh, what was his name? I know you know it, John. Who? Him. And the world stopped. And the world prayed. The new ESPN prayed. And then what happened? Did they pray again on ESPN? Did they pray again somewhere else? Did the world keep praying? Did the nations and, and world still stand and say we're still praying? No. Because it's a parachute cord. Something bad happens, let's pull it and hope God saves us and God heals this person. But as soon as God comes through, then we'll pack it back up, put it in our backpack, and keep on going and never mention it again until we get in trouble again. God is, he's merciful. But my Lord, and I knew, I said, I'm glad all this is happening. I'm glad it's going across the world. But what it proves to me is that, that in one moment it's there, and the next moment we exchange it the back from what God is trying to get us out of. He, he calls that. He did. He calls it to be seen all over the world. He calls the airways of prayer to go across uh, news stations and things like that because he said, I'm trying to change this. And then the next day we go back and and exchange it right back to the normalcy and complacency of what we have to speak so we don't get cultured out or called out or canceled out. It's the truth. It's the truth. When God calls us out and changes us, then few weeks or a few days later, we're willing to exchange it back for the things of this world. Psalms 106, verse 19. 
We know that Moses had an encounter with a fiery burning bush at Mount Sinai on the backside of the desert. And we know God called him and he turned to see the bush. He took off his shoes and said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Because like I say, God is jealous and he wants nothing in between you and him. He wants the veil to be lifted and he wants you to be staring at him in his presence. He is jealous. He wants you. He won't, like Pastor Lord said this morning, he don't need you, but he wants you. He wants you. And Moses had that. And Moses, from that point forth, goes, delivers the people, stands before Pharaoh, delivers the people, stands before the Red Sea. It's parted. Come out across the Red Sea. They sang a song and hymns and praised the Lord and, and worshiped the Lord. And then the next, just like chapter after that, they're murmuring and complaining. They exchange, their, they exchange the setting free out of slavery Back to murmuring and complaining. Why didn't they ever get to the promised land? Because what God had changed, they were willing to exchange and go back. They were always looking back for what God had changed in their life and brought them out of. Well, I'm going to exchange that. I'm going to exchange the change that God brought me out of because it's more comfortable back there. That's the way we live. We want to exchange the change that God brought us out of because it's more comfortable back there. When, when, they, when they needed a need, we, Lord, we're hungry, we're, we're thirsty. You brought us out here to die. Let's go back to when their need become what they was looking at, then they was willing to exchange it and go back. That's why I'm saying whatever you're looking at, you're willing to exchange it. If you're not looking into his eyes because he's holy, then you'll live a holy life. But when you look at the need, Lord, we need water, then guess what? You want to go back. Lord, we need food. Guess what? Then you want to go back. Lord, we're out here and we're going to die. Let us go back. Let, and that's the constant life of you. If you cannot get your eyes off the thing that God changed, you're always willing to exchange it because you're not looking into his eyes. So Moses has this burning bush experience. In the first place, he takes the children of Israel is to Mount Sinai. I believe he wanted them to experience the encounter that he had. This is where I had a burning bush experience right here at the base of this mountain and I'm going to bring the children of Israel out here and hopefully God will show up in this place and have and they will have an encounter just like I had and it will change their hearts and they won't want to go back and exchange it to the bondage of the Pharaoh and live under his will. They get there at Mount Sinai. God calls Moses up on top of the mountain. And the thunders and lightnings and it quakes. and They're down there on the bottom. And because Moses is up in the presence of the Lord, they get fearful and they say this, what if he's left us here for us to die? Is he ever going to come back? What if he's left us here? So what are we going to do? 
The moment you speak that word is the moment your eyes are not on him anymore. The moment you say, what are we going to do? Or what am I going to do? Is the moment your eyes have shifted off of him. And you've exchanged what God has changed in your life. And in that exchanging, they said, let's, they went to Aaron and said, let's bring all our gold together. Can, will you make us a, a calf? Will you make us an image? And throw it in the fire, it said, and out jumped the calf, a golden calf for them to worship. And they was worshiping this golden calf down there while Moses was in the presence of God trying to, to hear from him and get the commandments and all that he wants. But they exchanged it because they were worried and afraid. Why, 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 why? Like I say, we, I look at the children of Israel and all y'all who've read about them coming out and, and their story to the promised land. And everybody in here would probably say they're dumb. How in the world can you keep doing that? But guess what? We, we're in the boat with them. Right there in the boat with them. We're exchanging what God has called in us out of. Every day we exchange it for worry, for comfortableness, fear. Whatever it is, we're exchanging what he has changed in our lives. Psalms, 10, Psalms 106, 19. They made a calf at Horeb, which is at Mount Sinai, the same place, and worshipped the molded image. Thus, they changed their glory. I want you to notice this. They changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. The church is guilty. The family is guilty. The stories that we read in the Bible nowadays, for some reason, we don't believe them. Because if we believed them, we would live different. They had seen the Red Sea party. They had seen all the signs that were done to get them out of, uh, in front of Pharaoh. They had seen the death angel pass by. They had seen all these things, but they were still willing. They changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. The church, the family has changed its glory. The family was designed for the glory of God. It was designed for him. And we have exchanged the glory of what the family could be. The unit that a husband and wife coming together as one in one, in one agreement together with him in unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and, and in unity with one another and bringing our kids under that and raising them in the unity and the glory of God is a marvelous, wonderful thing. It's the most one. I ain't going to say one. It's probably, it is with God in the center and the Holy Spirit leading. It's the most powerful thing. But family is 
unified through him like it was designed to be. Powerful. Yet we have exchanged that glory for an ox that eats grass. What does he call them? Stiff-necked people. Why? Because what they were looking at couldn't move. What you are looking at, I'll say it again, is what you know. They looked at the golden image. They looked at the idols. They could not move. So that's why they're called stiff-necked. If you read the Bible, I don't know where the scripture is in there, but that's why they're identified as that because the idol was stiff. And that's what they were looking at, and that's what they were. They were stiff. The church is looking at idols and idols. We're an adulterous generation. We put things before God, and the things that we put for God, before God can't move, can't breathe, can't get us nowhere, and it's just an object that sits on a shelf or sits in your heart, and it's stiff, but because you're looking at it, the church has become just as stiff and dead as the object they are looking at. But if the church would get its eyes back on the glory of Jesus Christ, then we would become alive again. We would have our breath, our being, our very movement in him it says we would come back to what he wants us to be instead of a stiff necked generation that is looking that's traded in its glory of the family for a glory of an image and that's what we are sitting on a pew stiff necked y'all it's, it's, it's too close to the end okay it is too close to the end they changed their glory. The Hebrew word that you can go in there and look, it can mean exchanged. So they exchanged their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. Well, how did they exchange it? Well, let's read the next verse. They forgot God their Savior. That's the first thing. They forgot God who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away the wrath, lest he destroy them. Moses stood there. God wanted to destroy him, and Moses stood up for him. There's coming a judgment time that, that nobody will be able to stop. God's judgment will rain down on this earth, and they will not nobody be able to stop it when he gets ready. So what? You better be ready. You better be ready. So they, they forgot God their Savior in verse 21. Then what did they do in verse 24? They despised the pleasant land, what God had given them. And then what did they do? They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. So how do you transform your glory into to, to, to a statue is this. You forget God. First and foremost, you forget God. That, that would be the one you, you don't even need, really even need no more. That's probably why it's up there at the top. They forgot God their Savior. But then what did they do? They did not believe his word but complained and they did not heed the voice of the Lord. Those three things will get your glory transformed into a glory of a sinful, stagnated person. You forget God. You don't. For you forget his word and you forget his voice. Hmm. And then after they forgot all that, then there's nothing but for the enemy to come in and have a party. Verse 28, they joined themselves also to Baal. Hmm. 
And then they ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds. And then a plague broke out among them. I'm just, I ain't even got to preach this. I can just read the word of God right here. And if you have any discernment at all, a plague broke out among them. Then the, Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for the righteous to all generations forevermore. You want to know? I, I go along with this. Why did the plague stop? Why has COVID? It's still around, but why is it affected as it was? Because the church began to pray again. It shut us down. Like, you're going to shut down. The church began to pray again. Lord, we cannot silence the voice of the church because if the church is not effective and active, then the voice of God is silent. So the church began to pray again. And to me, the, the, the plague, it's, it's like so you can say what if it's here, not here, whatever. They angered him also at the waters of strife. So it was that when Moses went ill, Moses' account of them because they rebelled against his spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them. All right, I should get this. They did not destroy the people concerning whom the Lord had commanded them. I'm in verse 35. But they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. Do I got to preach that? Because they forgot God. They didn't heed to his word. They didn't heed to his voice. They find themselves mingling with Baal, worshiping things that, and eating off of his table, the food that was sacrificed to idols. And then in all that, they find themselves sacrificing their own sons and their own daughters to demons. If we ain't living in the generation that he is talking about right now, way back in Psalms, if history is not repeating itself again because the devil has never stopped his work, but the church has stopped hers. And so here we find ourselves exchange the glory of the church, which is an awesome thing. Become stiff-necked people that sit on pews every day and sit in recliners and couches at night and sit stiff-necked on our jobs and stiff-necked in the world and stiff-necked everywhere we go because we're not, we're not locking eyes with Jesus and proclaiming his holiness because if you really believe who he was and if you really locked eyes with him, you wouldn't want to see your sons and daughters sacrificed to demons and on their way to hell. We're living there. We're sacrificing our sons and daughters to demons. And in the day we're living in, it's not talking about literal. Spiritually, we are sacrificing our sons and our daughters to demons. Why? Because we won't say anything. And if we don't say anything, that's like taking our sword and giving it to the enemy and say, have your way. Have your way. 
Maybe this, I don't They mingled with the Gentiles, learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. This don't even sound like a psalm, does it? Verse 39, thus they were defiled by their own works. Their own works. They exchanged it. They did. You exchange it. You have the choice to live in the change or exchange it for something else. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Jeremiah 2 and 11 says, How the nation changed their gods, which are, which are yet not gods. But my people have changed their glory for that which doeth not profit. Jeremiah 2 11 talks about changing the glory too. It says a nation has, basically it's saying a nation has changed their gods. So would think that they've changed their gods that are not even gods. He's the only God. He's the only one. And since they have changed that, then they have changed their glory for that which doeth not profit. Romans 1, 21 through 27. I'm going to back up and read verse 20, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have clearly, clearly seen, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. He's saying you can look around this world and see the creation that was created, and the attributes of God, and you cannot unexcuse that He is God the Creator. You know in your heart there's a greater eternal power of God that created everything. You know when you look, even the atheist knows because he wouldn't argue against it. Because if he didn't believe it, he'd just say this. But he wants to argue because he knows that there is a greater power that you cannot excuse. That is in, in the work of the creation of this planet and even the creation of us. How complex we are. It cannot be excused. They're made even his eternal power. Godhead so that they are without excuses verse 21 because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fools and changed the Greek word therefore changed means exchange to and changed or exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness 
in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the, 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 the creature rather than the creator who is blessed and forever. Amen. Do I need to preach that? They forgot God. They quit glorifying him as God. They become unthankful. And they became futile in their thoughts. And their hearts were foolish and darkened. And they started professing to be wise. And they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness and lust of their hearts. To dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Who is blessed forever and never amen that's why we are where we are we've exchanged the glory of God and he's given us over to uncleanliness do, do you want me to read on and, and say I mean this this is this is nothing new we see it in, in, in Noah's days we see it in Sodom and Gomorrah we see the, what, how they acted and what they read and what they done with their bodies and what they ritualed and how they, they did sacrifice their sons and daughters. They even eat them. For this reason, God gave them up, verse 26, to vile possessions. For even their woman exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men living the natural, leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their area of their error which is due. Why did this happen? Because the church, the family exchanged its glory. It starts in the home. It starts in the home. So I'll go back to Mark. Olivia, um, if you want to come. He asked, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Or what will a man exchange for his own soul? What are you, are we exchanging? We're exchanging the glory of God for the glory of idols, for the glory of men, for the glory of of whatever stands between you and God. Because if there's something in between you and God, you cannot behold his glory. I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians. I know it's quiet, but church, we've got to do something. The church... In the, in the four walls has to become unified to be effective outside the four walls for God to be glorified. Yes, yes, Holy Spirit. We'll never reach the potential and the destination God has for us if we don't be unified first so he can be glorified out. 
And every time, every time we put our will before his will, we're putting up an idol of selfishness. We have to quit exchanging what God has changed. And we have to die. We have to die to ourselves. Corinthians 3.12 Therefore since we have such hope we use great boldness of speech. Since we have such great hope since we use such great boldness of speech. If he is your living hope and we have such great hope then our speech should be bold. It should be unashamed unapologetic if it's the truth and the word of God unchanged not exchanging it not calling good evil therefore since we have such hope we use great boldness of speech unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at it the end of what was passing away but their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed or changed into the same image from glory to glory just as the Spirit by the Spirit of the Lord we're changed from glory to glory if we're not willing to exchange the glory there's more glory there's more presence there's more power there's more there's more of him than we, we could ever contain in this body that we live here on earth but we are changing we're exchanging it if you would stand with me second corinthians 4 10 11 and 12 says always bearing about in the body the dying of the lord jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So we have to die for him to be manifest. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. It's, it's, we, it's a constant death. 2 Corinthians 4.12 So then death worketh in us but life in you. <laughs> death is always at work in us. It's a fleshly death. It's a laying your flesh down. 
But since that happens, death in us, there's life in him. But we exchange that. We exchange that. We exchange it. We have to die. We have to die. We have to die. I'm going to share this week. I was in here praying the other morning. praying Psalms 24 and I got to this is Jacob generation those who will seek the face of God and my mind went back to Exodus chapter 33 where Moses asked to see the face of God and God says no man shall see me and live but he said, I have a place beside me. And he passed by. I could preach that another day, but no man shall see my face or see me and live. And then it says, just as Jacob, a generation that seeks the face of the Lord. And then it hit me. It may have done hit you before. But I say, Lord, let me die. Lord, let me die. Because I want to see your face. You said no man shall see me and live. Well, then let me die. Because if you said to seek after me and seek my face, and this be that generation that does it, then let me die seeking the face of Jesus. And when I thought about that, my mind went to Genesis uh, in, in the beginning where it said, anybody who eats the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the moment they eat it, they shall surely die. And we know that when they ate it, they didn't fall physically dead but they died spiritually in their life the separation between them and the father took place so they were dead and it's like listen what it requires is if you seek my face you will die to flesh you'll die to flesh you'll die to anything that is against me you will die that's what he spoke into my, into my spirit so seek my face and die and if I die physically seeking his face, then guess what? Then the glory of the God that I've been seeking will be revealed to me in an eternity. And I'll be able to behold all of his glory and not just some of his glory. Amen. But let's not exchange that we can seek the face of God. That we can run after him. That we should be that people. We should be that family. We should be that church. We should be that mother, that father that is not exchanging the glory of God and making it the glory of a graven club, a, a graven image that can't do anything for, for us and in that moment we are exchanging our sons and daughters and sacrificing them to demons it, it requires God Jesus has done sent God done sent the change now it requires us just saying it requires us requires us to take back it requires us the Bible says also without holiness no man will see him 
we are not, church, we are not living what the scriptures is saying. We are not living what the scriptures is saying. And I'm not, I say we, we, there's more. There's more of me to lay down. There's more of my flesh to get out of the way. There's more of his glory to behold. We are not fully living what the scripture is saying. So how do we get there? How do we get there? It's required of a life that is laid down. You die to self. You stand for God, Jesus. The Bible says in Mark 8, you stand for Jesus and the word and you're not ashamed of it. If you're ashamed of it, you're exchanging it for your soul. We have to stand we have such a great hope that we need to stand with the boldness of speech I can't tell you I could sit here and say a lot of things but I'm not because out of my mouth it may offend you but if you get in the presence of God it will convict you if you're seeking his face then your life will change and you will quit exchanging it Lord, right now as we come before you, Father, if there's anybody in this place, God, that needs to come to this altar, God, and bring their box of alabaster, God, God, and pour it out upon your feet, God, because they have exchanged, God, what you have changed, God, and the things that they look at and the things they are doing today does not reveal your face. So, Father, let them move right now into the sound Lord, of your voice and in your name, Jesus Christ, Lord, the Son, the Savior, the Redeemer, the one who loves us so much, Lord, that true change comes back into the church, comes back into the home, the families, the mothers, the fathers, God, so that the generation, God, can change the sons and the daughters. God, we, God, will not let that generation, God, be sacrificed, God, to spiritual demons. God, we have to stand right now in our homes, God. We have to stand, God, on what they, comes in their eye gates and what comes in their ear gates, God. God, and what comes out their mouth, God. We, as mothers and fathers, God, have to stand what is right. Lord, there is no line in the sand. There is even right or it's wrong, Father. And we, God, have to start raising our generation like that again. God, the holiness, God, is God unto you, God. There's only right and wrong. There's no confusion. There's no middle. There's no grayness, God. We do not conform to the world, God, but we are transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our mind, Father. So right now, God, God, we repent. God, repentance, God, sweep this house, Father. God, that we, God, go back to the change, God. God, the you once, Father. God, was in our hearts and our lives. Lord, now, God, we have exchanged it, God, for the glory of this world and not your glory. Forgive us, O oh, Father, as we, God, face, Lord, the end days, the last days, Father. Let us rise up, Lord Jesus, God, with such a hope and boldness of speech, God, and be the witness, the martyr that you have called us to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unashamed. Unashamed. These altars are open if you need to come down and pray. These altars are open if you need to come down
ask you this if we're silent in the church house you think you were going to be voicers and boasters in the world I'm just being honest if our voice and our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving unto God he said in Psalms that they become unthankful too if, if we cannot be thankful with a body of believers in, in a safe place and you cannot worship and be then are you going to be that out there in front of the people who is going to ridicule you and talk about you and then put you down? Are you, if you can't, Lord, help us in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of Jesus who give us all power and boldness. If we cannot be the unchanged church inside the church, then we will be the exchanged church on the outside of here. Do you hear me? It's, it's not, there'll be millions and millions and millions and millions of people today worshiping two teams and a football and, and a halftime show. And we know that the culture entertainment that's out there right now is worship. It's all designed to grab your kids and for them to worship and exchange what God has given us. And if we're silent in the church house and we can't lift up the voice of God, you ain't going to tell me you're going to be bolsterous and outspoken out in this world. This should be a place that we glorify God, that we lift Him up, that we exalt Him, that we they, we do it with every fiber and unashamed. There, there's nobody in here going to judge you or ridicule you for how you worship or the things you say. And that's outside the world. But if you can't do it in here, don't tell me you're going to do it out there. The change has to take place here before it can ever go out there. So let's bow our hearts or what, what, whatever glorifies God is whatever glorifies him. He wants your best. He wants you. He don't need you. He wants you. I don't, like I said, it's, 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 Lord help us. I, I hear people say, well, I'm just not that away. Well, when you get around something you're passionate about, I beg the difference. Because I've seen people say, I'm just not that way. I'm just, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm just not that way. I'm, and I'm not saying how you worship is how you worship. God knows if it's your best. That's what I'm saying. God knows if it's your best. But I've heard people say that. Numerous people say that. And then you'll see something that they're passionate about. Lord, in their voice, their voice gets louder. Their post on social media, they post about it. And they, they, they do all these things about it, whether it's hunting, fishing, ball. I don't know, buying shoes, buying baby clothes. I don't know. But whatever it is, then, then you can see where the passion lies. 
So you can't tell me that you're not passionate about something, but the thing about it, the something that you're passionate about is the idol that's making you stiff-necked in, inside the, in the body of Christ. So as she plays, all I ask you to do is give God your best just for a little while. Because there'll be millions screaming and hollering and worshiping today. Is there anything, again, let me go, is there anything wrong with football? Well, like I said, if you're more passionate about it than you are about God yet, there's something wrong. It's an idol. It's an idol. It's an idol. So for the next few moments, I just ask us to unify together and be passionate about one God, one Savior, who changed our lives, who give us such a hope that we should be boldness in our speech. Boldness in our speech. Lift your voice is what it's saying. There's too many places in the Bible where it says to worship, lift your voice, exalt him. It, it, that comes from your voice. I'm not saying you have to run laps, jump up and down. Lift your voice. He give you a voice to exalt him. Exalt him. Whatever it is, for the next just few minutes, let it be something... I don't. I don't know. It, it don't need to be rehearsed or unscrewed. It don't be a. It don't need. The Lord check me. I was supposed to say, let it be a song everybody knows. It ain't got to be a song everybody knows because we're not worshiping the song. We're worshiping the God. Amen. So for the next few minutes, lift your voice and worship God. Pour your heart. Pour. Break open your box and pour it out on the hill. In the name of Jesus.